0: Welcome to another episode of James Bond and Friends. Today is a mega blockbuster episode, Um, the most people we've ever had on the podcast before. So we're going to jump right in and get started without any kind of lame jokes. So today I am joined by, wait for it, David Lee, Lisa Funnel, Joseph Darlington, Phil Nabil Jr., Bill Koenig, and Warren Ringham. Wow. So would you like to introduce
1: yourself, guys? Hi, David Lee here. I run the jamesbondossier.com.
2: Uh, I'm Lisa Funnell. I am an associate professor at the University of Oklahoma. I'm the author of The Geographies, Genders and Geopolitics of James Bond with Klaus Dodds, and editor of For His Eyes Only, The Women of James Bond.
3: Joseph Darlington, uh, head of section from Being James
4: Bond. Phil Nobile, Sangori Magazine. Uh, Bill Koenig with the uh, Spy Command blog.
5: I'm Warren Ringham, I run Tune Music Show, James Bond Tribute Band and Touring Theatre Show, and I'm also just about to start a new podcast called Scory Time.
0: So, guys, so um, Billy Eilish's track was uh, released midnight last night in the UK at 4pm on the West Coast. Simultaneously, 1am here, yeah. thanks. and 1am in Spain. 1am <laughs> in Spain. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess we'll find out whether it's worth staying up in a minute, David. Um quarter of a million views within 10 minutes on youtube uh it's broadcast on radio one um surefire i think we could all agree is going to be a number one in the uk charts and the us charts because it's billy eilish and it's a new song um she could literally release like a tape head cleaner and it probably gets number one at this point <laughs> um so who wants to go first with their kind of these aren't kind of hot takes because we've been sitting on it for 12 hours but um 24 hours what do
4: you who wants to go first Uh, i was just going to say if they really wanted to get people talking they succeeded beyond their wildest expectations people who really liked it really really liked it people who couldn't stand it really really couldn't stand it and people have been like talking on social media going back and forth all for the past twelve hours. Uh, so on ex- you know, just an example of an exchange, uh, John Burlingame tweeted out the Variety review, which he did not write, and he's called it one well, of the great analysis. A guy named Terry Bamber, who worked on Bond movies from *Man with the Golden Gun* through *Skyfall*, replied absolute rubbish i don't mind <laughs> mentioning those names it's out in the public so you know right. you, you all yep. can see it and then like on social media i saw like somebody say who was really into it said the bassy queen is dead long live the new queen and then the guy replied you're full of crap so that's, <laughs> so that's kind of the way it's been. So people are talking about it. So yeah. that's the big thing.
1: But before uh, Joe uh, says his piece, can I just add to that? Because I, I completely agree um, and I just wanted to interject here because um, a couple of podcasts ago I was saying that she was a bit of a weird choice for me and that um, because of the because of her fan base I, I couldn't really see um, the, the marketing angle on it and but uh, I, I think I was completely wrong because uh, all the newspapers have been re- um, reporting that her song's been released. And so it's in the newspapers in, in in the UK that I've been seeing, it's just Bond, Bond, Bond. So it's great marketing for the film, uh, whether or not her own fan base goes to see those, that film.
0: Yeah. Joe, do you want to jump in?
3: Uh, sure. I, you, you know, I did a quick review of it last night. And boy did I learn the hard way. Do not mess with Billy Eilish fans. I never got so many dislikes on a video before in my life. Uh you know, and it's funny. I mean, honestly, my humble little videos is like I'll usually get, you know, a dozen or two likes and what, you know, maybe one uh dislike. And I usually know who that is. Uh, this one was like it was it was almost neck and neck for a while. Like like for every like, for every two likes, I was getting a dislike. And and I it wasn't even like I ripped on it. I just didn't really kind of love it. Um but yeah, my, I guess my initial thoughts were sort of, and by the way, I'm kind of not counting for the possibility that the video was just pretty terrible on my part, because I mean, I did sort of ramble incoherently because, you know, it's music and how do you hear a song for the first time? And it's hard to really put it into sort of a, any sort of logical context. Um, but I yeah, yeah, I don't know. I just found it to be very not even bad, but just kind of empty. Like there's not a lot of instruments. There's it was a very, very simple song, and I don't mind a down tempo song. I mean, some of the some of the CDs that I've got, you know, on my shelf, Portis Head Zero Seven, uh, Segura Rose, they got they have like very kind of slow, deep maudlin' stuff like this. And, and I don't mind it at all. But I, I was really like, wow, these for for a Bond theme, this is really kind of you know, I, again, I kind of felt like the this, this Sam Smith song took us in a direction and this one almost a step further. And yeah. the takeaway I kind of felt like was, you know, I'm used to Bond, traditional Bond themes that had that sort of, you know, upbeat. And, and I mean, you, you know, a Bond theme when you hear one. And then then sometimes you'd sort of get the love songs, you know, some some that are a little more. Um, you know, this is a romantic song for for the romance in the film. Now we're sort of getting into a different era where it's Bond is not the heartbreaker anymore. He's having his heart broken, and and he is the one suffering. And 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 so I, I suppose, and, and I know this is going to be a very emotional film. I mean, they've they've pretty much said it. This I expect an emotional punch from this film. And and I guess in in that respect, I mean, the the song probably serves it well and of course we won't really know how we feel about it until we see it with the titles but um yeah it just kind of made me scratch my head a little bit and uh, i tell you what i watched calvin's reaction Mm -hmm. to it and he just loved it instantly and i was so jealous i "I wish i wish i wish i could get that way about this song uh,
1: yeah i'm the same way joe
3: i had the same calvin's
0: got 20 years below uh, to go though before he becomes as cynical and bitter as we are exactly yes (laughs) go ahead warren sorry i
5: I had the same reaction as you joe and i because i watched your video um and shortly after i'd recorded mine and and we both had a really similar view and because i feel quite sort of in the middle about it i i've really enjoyed um watching the extreme views of either end and it does seem to be like one extreme or the other and because i sort of feel in the middle i can i can i actually sort of associate with both ends of it i wanted to share with you um one of the funniest and uh, most brutal but at the same time you know it's 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 well written uh, reviews from a guitar friend of mine um which i think you'll enjoy and he said just heard the new bond song by willie eyelash <laughs> it's clever <laughs> It's clever clever how they've used the outtakes and blooper reels from some of the more recent songs and cut and pasted them into a Fisher-Price musical paint-by-numbers for three-year-olds the singing captures the emotion of an early morning flight while you were jet lad with the mother of all hangovers the lyrics were something about not having enough time to change hair colour I think after all the after all the logic by numbers the producers even remembered to tag in a sample of the Bond chord at the end fantastic, mm. I can't wait to hear the next movie's title theme, mind you judging by the last few offerings I already have, the name's Bland James Bland
4: um, the, the best one liner I heard was music to smoke music to smoke opium by uh, (laughs) but I think
2: that you don't have to like the work of Billie Eilish but I I do take a bit of offense when people start like poking fun at aspects of imagery especially since you know she's spoken out about media pressures and constantly been under this media gaze and being judged for her body and her image so I mean I I get the joke but I just want to be careful that we still constantly critique the work and we don't pull it right. too far into this other area. Cause I think there's a lot to be said as to whether or not this particular song is doing what it's supposed to do. And I think we can look at that in a bunch of different ways. Um, A comment that was sort of before we had this conversation uh, on the podcast was that this felt like it was a Craig era song and Mm -hmm. that it it fits with um, Skyfall and writings on the wall. And to me, when I heard it, it definitely sounded like it was in this latter era of the Craig films that it... I wouldn't say that it falls after *Writings on the Wall*. I feel like it falls somewhere between *Skyfall* and *Writings on the Wall*, and that uh, most likely these were sources of inspiration. So I feel that there's a continuity, and so there's going to be a narrative continuity across these films. And I think that there's going to be with these with um, the title tracks and and woven into the actual soundtrack. I think there'll be that sense of continuity. I did like how there was um, sort of brass in uh, every mm-hmm. now and then, like a bit of the James Bond theme. And when I heard it, I, I thought, "Oh my gosh, that reminds me of Barry and sort of the classical um, sort of Bond sounds." And I loved that there was a nod to that; that it made this feel like it was still a Bond song.
4: Well, something to keep in mind: about two hours after the song went out, Hans Zimmer went out on social media and you know he. Uh, embedded it in his tweet, he said, "Oh, and I did the oracles, uh the orchestrations." For, yeah, I mean, for, and, Han, Hans Zimmer <laughs> never wanted to take credit for somebody else's work. <laughs> right, right. So I'm wondering. That made me wonder. It's like, okay, were those Barry nods? Were was that Billy Eilish? Was it mm-hmm. Hans Zimmer? Yeah. and I don't know. Um, See, yeah, it's I, funny. I, it's I, I feel it's the
5: opposite way. I think I feel that I felt that the the Bond nods were too on the nose. Both the trumpet bit at the mm. beginning and the chord at the end. There's there's other ways to incorporate the Bond sounds and do it in a more subtle way than that. And I I particularly felt that last chord really jarred, like a mm-hmm. like sucking a little bit on a lemon. And and don't get me wrong, because I really like the song as a song overall. I think it's a mm-hmm. beautiful piece of music, but as a as a Bond piece of music, I'm not so sure. And I think that it was literally shoved in there to go, you know, ticking the box for Bond. And one other point I just wanted to pick up on, on what Lisa said, and, and you're absolutely right, it does sound so much like Skyfall and Writings on the Wall, but there's a particular chord progression that's 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 actually fl- flowed through all the Daniel Craig uh, era films, re- uh, really, particularly You Know My Name and Other Ways Die and Skyfall. And that's definitely back here in in this mm-hmm. song as well. So I think there is. I think there must be some sort of brief going on there from from the producers to say, look, the narrative of the films has gone all the way through on screen now with what they did with um, Spectre. So can we do something with that with the music?
0: Is it fair to say, Warren, that this isn't a, a song that you'd want to close your show on?
5: that's very i just, just <laughs> to, to carry about this for i mean if you did the if you did them in sequence for the first time ever we're changing our show so the order isn't chronological and mm. i think that'll be quite a depressing kind of 10 minutes of with skyfall which is i and I, I love all of these songs but skyfall into writings on the wall into no time to die would be quite a dip in, in energy wow. in the song in the set for sure
6: right
0: phil what did you think when you heard it did you did you did you hit refresh on youtube at
7: 4 p.m last uh, uh 7 p.m wherever i did were. i i actually bought it off itunes immediately because i was like well no one said where they're going to drop this and maybe maybe i've got to buy the thing because i'm old but um it was uh <laughs> you know i i'm echoing a lot of what's been said here but to me the last time i was on the show we joked about what does an 18 year old think a bond theme sounds like and i think that it's borne out that you know, uh, much uh, there's been a lot of film writing about how uh, younger kids don't view film as art; they view it as fashion. It's something if in the here and now, and then you and then you're done with it, and then you move forward. Uh, and I think that the song is somewhat the result of uh, someone who's not looking that far back. That and this is for a generation. This is what a Bond theme is supposed to sound like now. And maybe Hans right. Zimmer is dragging a little bit of legacy into it with uh, some of those Barry touches, as you mentioned. But to me, right. it sounded like someone's short-term memory at play in terms of what, what is a bond theme supposed to sound like? And uh, I, I won't pretend I loved it. Um, it's not going to, it's not going to affect the film in any way. And, and maybe it's so narratively specific with those lyrics. It might be this sort of vestibule to take you from the pre-title sequence into the main action yes. of the film. Uh, and that's fine. If that's, if that's the function it's serving, but I can't, pretend that I wasn't a little deflated hearing how similar it sounded to the last two films
0: so Billy Eilish gave a little bit of an interview snippet to somebody today it's kind of hitting the blogosphere and the quote from her is this "Um, we got a piece of the script the first scene and then we wrote the song immediately in three days Uh, we wrote it in Texas and recorded it in a bunk on the bus in the basement in the dark so um, a lot of people were wondering if the lyrics were like callbacks to Vesper and stuff it's like no, it was based on the first act of the movie, hmm. based on what she said.
5: Can we put one thing to bed about that, though, with the three days thing? Because last yeah. time everybody got upset that Sam Smith wrote the song in minutes. half an hour, yeah. and, now, <laughs> and now they're upset. I mean, what, what is the acceptable time period for writing right. a song that people want? Because I've seen people already get negative about the three-day thing, and it's, you know, you sit down, you write a song, it comes when it comes. You know.
0: Well, it's, it's kind of like when Ian Fleming said he, he, he wrote, he went for a swim, wrote his book, and went, but, the rest of the day and he did it in six weeks no he didn't the first draft was in six weeks or whatever yeah, it was, no, and the uh, absolutely. It was and, i
1: mean how how many moments did they have in the shower or you know trying to get to sleep or waking up at three o'clock in the morning and thinking and just uh it, the, the song building up until it was ready to be put put down or, or some version of it put down absolutely yeah
0: to your point warren they, they completed it two or three months ago so mm. they've had they've actually worked on it for two or three months right? yeah i are not gonna I, I know. To lock it down and not touch it right it's constantly well, been and
4: also you've got an orchestra and like you have to like you know do all this stuff for the orchestra to yeah. join in so it's like I, I, the version of sam smith i saw said 20 minutes but like okay right. i mean I, I never took that seriously and that's yeah. what i was reminded of when i saw that quote about we wrote it yeah. in three days
5: yeah I, I know i know for facts as well from industry contacts that this has been through changes as well from when it's been recorded. The orchestra, you know, there's stuff that they recorded that hasn't gone on.
7: Yeah. Oh, there's a piece that, um, that Bill shared last night where there would seem to be a horn section in that orchestra video that I don't, I can't find in the actual song. Yeah.
4: Yeah. That's right. It's like, which would have been more, which
0: would have been more on, you know, is kind of Barry Colbert. Yeah. I, I, I I didn't,
1: I didn't notice it at all. I, I've, I've listened to it. Uh, I don't know how many times, and uh, the problem I have is that uh, it's so kind of dull that I, I can't actually concentrate on the entire song for four minutes or four and a half minutes or whatever length it is. <laughs> um, but you know, I uh, I don't think anybody's talked about her actual performance, which, which I think is good. It's just uh, I don't I don't particularly like the song and. Uh, um you know it's... which is
0: which maybe you could argue is the opposite to writings on the wall where it's people really like the song but they don't necessarily like the performance
1: i don't like the song or the performance in that particularly i, I it, it's a much better performance than than than, than, than either of the two uh, previous songs in, well, in my opinion with, at least
4: with writings on the wall within a day of it coming out there was a a video where a woman singer is doing it. She's just, you know, at a piano and, and you know what the, in particular the falsetto part with Sam Smith sounds much more natural coming from her. Mm. Um, You know, again, that, that was like not an official thing, but it's still on YouTube. I I checked it just before we started recording. I I think um,
1: Warren may have something to say about that.
4: Yes. (laughs) <laughs>
1: well,
5: i did uh, there's other people that can say about it but i mean you know the feedback we always get is that it works better for a female voice to a, to, to an absolute man with hundred percent of the feedback is always that people prefer it on as a female because we do it as a female song but um i i have to say david i i i mean i i absolutely love Billie Eilish. i think she's fantastic i um, looked it i mean i knew i've heard a couple of songs before it was announced that she was going to do it and i went and watched a load more stuff of hers and i think she's an amazing musician amazing artist but the the common uh comment that i've seen and i agree with is that the the song didn't kind of get to where it needed to get to and i think that's partly down to her performance it just needed another gear in the last third and mm-hmm. i'm not I'm not sure that she's got that in her. Now that's not me criticizing her as an artist. She's a fantastic artist, but I think what people wanted for a Bond song, they wanted that mega sort of bombastic moment where she opens out and belts it. And that's not the type of singer that she is. Yeah.
1: As I said, I, 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 but but I can't even last a minute and and focused on it. I, I I just, it just doesn't hold me at all. So, uh, I, I haven't really got that far. It's just like, it's like on in the background and I'm not concentrating on it. It's, uh, and because I was, I, I was either expecting uh, something that would would be fantastic, I'd love, or something I'd hate, and and either of those would have been fine. But it's uh, it, it's this kind of in the middle thing where I, I, where I just find it boring, which uh, is the worst thing uh, for, for me for, for for a song. Music shouldn't do that. You know, it um, mm-hmm. it should. You know change your, your emotion or enhance your emotions, uh, somehow it shouldn't send you to sleep.
0: To summarize, it's like art that doesn't instill a reaction. Is it art?
1: Uh, yes.
0: Fair very, very, very
1: good, Mr. Page.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 you <laughs> um, know, one of the really disappointing things to me about this was that, and I and I know I'm going to get a, a label about, the, he, he probably wants Shirley really basically to come back. Well... <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we'll- Go ahead Joe You have my story Joe Keep, keep going Joe uh, <laughs> the, whole, the whole gets bigger Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean in the, the 60s was when that sort of Bond sound was created But what I really used to get excited about Was when you'd, you'd hear like So and so artist got chosen to do The Bond song And usually what you got was This interesting mesh Of that artist's personal Style with the Bond style, and you would sort of mesh those two things together and come up with something really interesting. And I kind of felt listening to this, and especially when you heard those two little samples of other Bond music. And, I, you know, I instantly thought like, well, that's, you know, I guess now you we're paying tribute to a Bond song as opposed to creating a new Bond song. You just sort of do your own song and you you put a little sampling of Bond you know, a little familiar Bond tune in the in the distant background, and that's all you need to do now. Uh, so that's kind of where this really sort of fails me. Is like I, I really wanted something that was, you know, Billie Eilish doing Bonds, not Billie Eilish doing Billie Eilish with a sampling of a, of something recognizable. Do
5: you know Do you know something, Joe? I've recently. Co- been having a crack at co-writing a Bond song with a producer friend of mine. It's coming out in a couple of weeks' time. And the only reason I say this is the process I found so bloody hard because you kind of, you're absolutely right in what you say. You want to steep it in that Bond tradition, but you very quickly, once you start trying to write it in the Bond style, it just becomes. Uh, you know, stereotypical and, and and cliched. But then if you move away and do something new with it, then everyone's going to kind of turn around and say, well, it doesn't sound like a Bond song. Mm. So it's, it's very hard to walk that, that tightrope. But I think where they really, really made a mistake for with this song, and I think it would have just it would have completely transformed a lot of the naysayers into fans. And I just think it's down to the production of it again. And it's right. happened a number of times. If they took the exact piece of music and, and play, and the orchestral version, you, the video that's going around, it sounds great to me but it, the actual produced version they've got more synth strings in there it's kind of there's a lot more effects on it and stuff like that and i think if it had been more of a raw performance with a live orchestra in that 60s bomb style i think it would have actually have been more popular
4: by the way, can I just say something real quick about the bit that some people couldn't hear because I muted myself and I just listened again. So where she sings, we were a pair. And then before she gets the next lyric, it's kind of in the background, but there's this wah. And what that reminded me of, and that's what I referred to in the post I did, um, it was like longer but in like for example uh Pussy Galore's Flying Circus that track when you know it you know you can see that all the pilots are women you hear wah wah and um oh in uh one of the songs in uh, the living daylights wah 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 i mean it's not exact and it's like very short compared to those two examples but that was the kind of sound it it comes up in thunderball too so that's what i was referring to as very short and it's just like it leapt out at me but i could see how people could overlook it
2: can we also discuss the the role of voice um Hmm in this particular song. And so I'm, I'm thinking right now of Chris Cornell's, you know, my name. And I I know this one because when I walk around my neighborhood and I'm listening to it, I end up like screaming out, you know, my name. And so my (laughs) neighbors are like, who are you? But there's something very, you know, the shift towards the Craig era. And there was this focus on a more body based masculinity. And I listened to Chris Cornell's song and I feel as though it really is pushing that. There's like a, yeah. a very sort of distinct sense of masculinity. You know who I am and I'm going to show you who I am. And this is my origin story. And I feel like the last three Bond films, and I'm including this one wow. in it, they're, I, I, there's a lot focusing in on uh, emotionality, emotional aspects, a lot of sense of loss. Um, and so you have... Um, either a female vocalist or a vocalist with feminine qualities coming in, and these songs are very emotional in nature. They're talking about um, heartbreak and the end, mm-hmm. and 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 betrayal and loss. And so, for me, when I when I hear Billie Eilish singing, on the one hand, um, because of the pitch of her voice and how how she sings, she's got a whisper quality to it it does to me uh, suggest a very deep sense of vulnerability, like the child side in Bond, like an Mm -hmm. aspect of him that's still there, that is still capable of being heard. And I think it's interesting that it's gendered as as female, um, oftentimes because in society, we do have these ideas that women um, are permitted to express their emotions more freely than men are. Um, But I also am unsure how other people and, and you included feel about that, that type of quality, because to me, it was uh, sort of pulling on my heartstrings. And I went straight to the film, straight to the trailers that I've seen. And I'm like, Bond's in pain. I don't mm-hmm. like Madeline Swan, So maybe that's why I was excited by it. <laughs> I was like, OK, <laughs> we're going to get her out of Bond's life. But I don't know if if you sort of how you really feel about having uh, someone with her tone and her pitch and her qualities being the voice, because um, like the the comment that was previously made, as I was listening and the the song was building and her voice started opening up, I I wanted her to just like end with like one note and just keep it going, like almost like an expression or release of emotion that, you know, is going to fight back. And instead it sort of dribbled down and, and, and sort of just went back to just uh, sort of that whisper quality. And for me, that's where the song falls short. Because I, right. I, I and I'm like, is this supposed to be reflective of the narrative um, and what we're going to get? I just really for me my biggest critique is I just wanted that to be even just hold that note or put it like one note higher. And I would have been with you and cheering because then I would have felt like there's just sort of that, you know, my name at the beginning of the Craig era ending with, you know, my name or I'm still here ending with, you know, this 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 uh, singer who has such a whisper quality, just sort of letting it all go. So that's how I'm just sort of thinking about voice, mm. gender, narrative, and and sort of this whole origin story book ending thing.
4: Well, well, just real quick, uh, last night when I was doing my uh, steps, I I put in the uh, Casino Royale soundtrack, which didn't have the song, but had the the score and that of course was the last time that the score composer was involved in writing the title song Mm -hmm. and and that and that song i mean or variations of that song is all throughout that uh all throughout that score and so you can just listening to the soundtrack without you know any movie or anything yeah it conveys the the kind of emotion you're talking about and um also when it comes to writing on the wall i remember when that came out and was dealing with someone on uh facebook who hated it just hated it and i said you realize that song's done from bond's craig bond's Mm -hmm. point of view don't you he said no i said yes listen to the lyrics you know like ignore the falsetto just listen to what the lyrics are saying i i'm pretty sure that's supposed to be from bond's perspective and um you know, again, kind of communicating what's in the movie in the song, and and just bring it back to No Time to Die. I strongly suspect that song's going to really touch upon some of the themes of the movie. Outside. Yeah, yeah. At obviously, no way for me to act. know that, but that's my guess. Hundred yeah.
5: yeah. percent. It's going to be. It's going to be threaded into the score. I mean, Zim has been obviously involved in it. It's got to. It's got to be the case, surely.
0: To the point you raised at the beginning, of the last thing you said, Lisa, about you know my name being kicking off the masculinity, the ear, and we're kind of going out in a little bit of a whimper, maybe, mm-hmm. um, in terms of emotion, and having the female voice uh, used to reflect Bond's inner feelings, I guess, uh, in a voice. Um, the joke is that nobody does know his name anymore. Hmm. right and is at the end of his career in mi6 so i was really hoping for a kind of bond kicking somebody in the bollocks kind of song which uh, chris cornell did um but it kind of makes more sense thematically hmm. that this is a winding down you you knew
1: my name
4: (laughs) <laughs> That's right, <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: but you seem to have
4: forgotten. And there's, and there's the title <laughs> of the episode right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Lisa, I've got a question for you. For your this the the um, the demographics of the group that you teach um, did did anybody did this subject come up about the choice of Billie Eilish? Because I imagine they're uh, significantly younger than most of us on this call.
2: So we meet thursdays from 1 30 to 3 so the song didn't come out until 6 p.m our time so Mm. i don't know how my students actually feel about it i know that they are familiar with her as an artist um they are i think as as many of you suspect most of them in terms of just their viewing coming into this course there's some people who have uh, seen most of the Bond films, or can talk about like I remember being young watching these films, but most of them are familiar with the Daniel Craig era films, and right. specifically with the most recent ones. I've had students who've watched Austin Powers and never seen a Bond film, so it's it's always <laughs> interesting. yeah, I'm just like what? So it's always interesting seeing where they are at, and if the sound and the song are speaking to this new era, it might be because they're 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 trying to pull in um people who have seen some of the more recent films rather than those who are long-time traditional long-term bond fans
0: yeah phil in your um as you are wider across other franchises than just bond in your day-to-day job um are there any other um properties that have this same kind of um thematic thing going woven through their franchises that you can think of that would be not similar, but at least Gosh, have some kind I'm, of.
7: I'm not sure. I I think you know the uh, the serialization of this franchise is a result of uh, it happening elsewhere in in Marvel and DC and that sort of thing. And I think to a later degree, some of the Mission Impossible films. But hmm. um, no, as for my horror writing world and and, and Fango and all that stuff, the the, the it's very much an exquisite corpse kind of situation where these, these properties are just handed off to someone else who takes what they want, leaves the rest, keeps moving. And and I, I, I've said this before, but I do miss that about the Bond franchise. I do miss that you sit down to a fresh start at the beginning of every film. And that was the case for, I don't know, 40 years almost. And, right. uh, and you know, I... I've appreciated the experiment, I think we've gotten some really great films out of the deal, but if they're going to pivot going forward, I would like to see them pivot away from this sort of a serialized version of the thing.
4: Well, I was about to say, it actually lasted 50 years, because when they made Skyfall, they made a point, oh, this has nothing to do with the last two movies, it's its own thing. And then, like, making it a part of this larger saga was something they just, retconned just- later couldn't leave it alone could they yeah so so it lasted a full 50 years i would say yeah it's a good point mm.
7: and then and then specter kind of you know <laughs> moved the needle on that and backed it up a little bit i guess by retconning so much of it into into its own continuity
4: you know what we, we got tipped off uh, during the making of Skyfall because John Logan in some kind of public appearance said Bond should always fight Blofeld. And so people thought, Oh, Blofeld might be back in Skyfall. Well, no, but once they got those rights back, they just couldn't resist.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So has anybody heard from any, uh, friends, family, colleagues who are not necessarily Bond fans, but were like, Oh, did you hear the new barely eyeless track? um, Cause I had a couple this morning that were like, Oh, are you going to go to that thing at the premiere thing? Cause my daughter's a big Billy Eilish fan. I'm like bottom uh, up marketing. I think bottoms up marketing, I think is the way that
4: they call yeah. it, isn't it. Well,
1: I don't think my wife's heard it yet. Uh, I'll, I'll ask her later on. So no, um,
4: Mrs. Spy commander was not, uh, was not impressed. Um, and like, she was like more neutral about, uh, no time to die, but wasn't super impressed. That's all I got. <laughs>
3: I, I I don't know about I, I don't know about people who are not Bond fans because uh, I think everybody I heard from was, but I felt like as soon as the song came out, my computer, my phone, every everything is lighting up, and I'm seeing <laughs> it's awesome, it
4: sucks, it was great, hated it, <laughs> so it was all it was
3: all over the map.
4: Yeah, and and very little in mm, between. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
7: Esquire just dropped a, 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 ranking of all 24 and it's a disaster. Um, uh, and they went ahead and put Billie Eilish at number four already.
0: Yeah. My, my favorite one out of that quote out of the Esquire, uh, thing Phil was, um, in, in relation to, um, another way to die. It's a great mix of white goth uh, adjacent rock and key soulful voice. It works a lot better in practice than one might expect. Uh, number 12, <laughs> 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 and they put Chris Cornell's um, "You Know My Name" last.
1: What? Which last? last. What? Yeah. No way. <laughs> that's somebody, yeah. who like that's somebody who doesn't. That's uh, somebody who doesn't know music because uh, Jack White's nothing to do with uh, goth or goth adjacent. Christ. Right.
5: But like these lists. Yeah. These lists. These lists are all just so subjective, aren't they? And it's the same with the people's opinion on the songs. You know, it's so subjective, and the the trouble is now with social media is that we go people go straight on when someone says something, and they just and they feel that their point has to be right, and they will just mm-hmm. argue it, you know, for the sake of arguing it, and really, really viciously. I mean, I I'm quite happy to to. With with Bond songs all the time to see it, there are so many people that love one Bond song, but somebody else will hate that Bond song. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's like people won't allow them to, to breathe and let them have their own opinion. Art is is in the in the eye of the beholder. You know, there'll be people that there are, as Joe said, the views on this song are so extreme. But the people on those either ends want to try and convert the people at the other end into their way of thinking, instead of just letting people make their own judgment.
0: Right. So I have got a question for you, Warren. Over the times you've been over the time you've been doing cue the music, have you felt that any of the songs have kind of risen or fallen in popularity over the time you've been doing it?
5: Well, um, do you mean in the, sort of the general public, or do you mean how they've been received in our shows? Uh,
0: um, in, within your audience, like on the feedback that you get.
5: So oh, it's a difficult one to answer because it's better if it comes from somebody else. But the feedback that we get is that people always enjoy our performance of writings on the wall for example which and they and it's amazing how many of them say i hated the song but i really enjoyed mm-hmm. hearing it live i think a lot of that has to do with hearing it live because i think those same people actually if they went and heard anybody else play it live they probably like it as well it's, i don't think it's necessarily exclusively a cue the music thing but i i think all of these songs they they work so much better when you're in the room and you get to sort of um, drink in that atmosphere and the, you know, and the enthusiasm of a live performance, and the energy in the room. Um, but I mean, obviously some of these, some of the songs have, have grown in popularity over the years, you know, like we have all the time in the world, didn't do very well at the time, but it's become a such a more popular song over a period of decades, hasn't it? So mm. who knows what might happen? Writing's on the wall and um, no time to die in 20, 30 years time might be really popular. <laughs> <laughs>
0: How do we think Daniel Kleinman's going to do his titles to this because i tweeted yesterday like if if when billy sings the line faces from the past if that Dan- if danny Clyman shows a picture of Vesper i'm going to throw something at the screen but
6: <laughs>
3: <laughs> amen to that
4: because <laughs> you know actually as i was listening to it last night i was trying to imagine i didn't imagine that specific image uh, it was just kind of more of a mood and i like i said earlier i i I have the feeling that song is going to really reflect the mood of the movie and uh and in whatever images he throws at us daniel Kleiman that is um it'll probably mesh pretty well with that song and also another tweet that went out by an account that wasn't billy eilish's it was billy eilish something showed a recording session Mm -hmm. or like a minute of a recording session and um it kind of seemed as somber as that song. I mean, it was it wasn't the song, it, but uh, the score they showed in that minute looked awful similar in mood. So I I have the feeling we're going to see a lot of that come uh, April.
0: I don't know. I think if I was the title designer, I'd rather work with a bombastic rock or rock song than a slow emotional mel- uh, ballad.
5: I mean, I was I was with you. I think that I really wanted to get the bombastic song, but actually, when they immediately released the forty second clip of of yeah. uh, like Trader with this music, it actually works. I think works really really well, and I think a lot of people that watched it felt that. I think this song is going to work really really well in the context of what's going on in that pre titles going into the film. I think it's going to work beautifully.
3: You know, I'm sort of wondering the same thing because I felt like the titles for Spectre were a little lackluster. And I kind of wondered if it had something to do with the song because the song was so slow that maybe you can't go all over the all over the map with your titles. Maybe you have to stick to a certain theme and and move slowly through it, et cetera, Um, as opposed to like Skyfall, which ended up really sort of being everything but the kitchen sink because the song moves so much more rapidly.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why I really don't have any time for the You Only Have Twice title sequence. <clears throat> Although a lot of people say it's, it's beautiful and um, the imagery is great and everything, I just find it so boring, <laughs> that whole uh, what Binder did on that. Um, probably because of the song, like, you know, I don't know. Daniel Kleiman's always done a different style of title every film. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of – that's one of the things I'm most curious about mm about this film because we know so much about it already. That's one of the mysteries is his title sequence, which he probably hasn't been able to start until very recently.
7: Did they ever leak those? I feel like there was a a TV spot for Casino Royale that had a a snippet from his title sequence in there.
0: Um, It was Quan uh, – yes, yes. Uh, The big clanger, of course, was the one he didn't work on, which was Quantum Solace when Coca-Cola released the advert too early with a song on it before anybody had heard the song. Yeah. Ah. That was not well received by um, Jack White, <laughs> it turned out. Um, and then, of course, the song wasn't well received by everybody else. Um, does anybody think that this is, uh, if anything, can beat this to best original song at the Oscars next year?
1: No, it, it's, it's bound to be.
0: Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> what will Billie Eilish have to do to um, enrage the, the Academy to the point where they don't vote for her at this point? <laughs> It, oh, they're a fickle bunch, but
5: it is a beautiful <laughs> song. It is, I do think it's if, if it was, if this was just in Billy Eilish's back catalogue of songs that we were listening to a week ago, I'd, I'd be listening to this thinking this is a really beautiful song. It's just that from the the kind of the generation of Bond fans that probably we all are, it doesn't quite necessarily fit into the catalogue as we want it or expect it to maybe. But and I think certainly the, the general feedback of those Bond fans don't like it. But as an actual song. It's great, I think, and I and I think it will be a, a deserved winner of being recognised as a great song because I, I I really dig it as a song. Just I'm not sure about it as a Bond song. Mm. Don't know. Does anybody anybody else differ? Or- <laughs> <laughs> I
7: think uh, April April handicaps handicaps it somewhat. You know, it's very the Bond films are very fresh in voters' minds when they come out in November. April's another story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's a good I point. think there's at least one Disney live action coming with it that'll have the obligatory new song stuck on there. Right. Mulan and maybe something else. Yeah. I love
2: me some Mulan, so I mean, if I'm going to be you know pushing for anything to win stuff, <laughs> let me tell you, I would love for Mulan to just get some recognition. I think that film. I'm very excited. I know this is not a podcast about Mulan but I am very excited for Mulan <laughs> to come. Up.
5: Okay.
2: We're allowed
0: to like other it's things. We're allowed to like other things. That's all
2: right. That's all
0: right. Super, <laughs> right. Super
1: <laughs> <smart>. <laughs> Yeah, Back, back in uh, July, um, I proposed uh, a title for the film, which is No Time to Die. And um, yeah, uh, the... I, I can't remember what episode that went out in. It's like 2021, I think, something like that. But um, uh, I also, at the same time, I, I proposed the Sisters of Mercy to do the theme uh, song, and I'm gutted that they didn't take me up on that.
0: No, I mean, that was your <laughs> moment in the sun, David, predicting the title of the film. That's I've never impressive. recovered from that. Um, does anybody else have any final thoughts about the song or well, the lyrics, in fact? Because the lyrics are, well, the lyrics I... are pretty on the, on the nose if you kind of know what happens in the first act of the film.
5: Kind of following on a little bit from that last point about the the title "No Time to Die," it it actually when when they announced it as a title, I thought that that was an opportunity and to to actually go with a bombastic song because it it feels with "No Time to Die" like it's going to be a defiant uh, song, you right. know. It's that like it, no, I am not going to die, rather than this kind of this kind of more um pained one that we got. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I let somebody else talk about the lyrics, but I just wanted to pick up that from from what uh, from David saying about the title, because that's when it, when they announced that that's what I thought they would go with.
1: Yeah, because uh, I think the lyrics the lyrics are okay apart from that. The, I, I can't remember any of the lyrics, but I remember the bit that I was listening to that I do remember. I found a bit clunky. I, I, I don't know what anyone else. Mm thinks about that
3: I thought the lyrics were fine in fact I think I liked it better when I listened to it with the lyrics and actually you know I was literally laying in bed this morning and I I told uh my echo I won't say what I call her because she'll start talking um I asked her to play it and she played it and I thought um this is kind of actually the perfect song to wake up to It's it's got that nice you know wake you up slowly sort of vibe I, I would be very curious to see how we feel about it come April because they feel like, you know, a lot of the Bond songs, Die Another Day comes to mind. I had a very love-hate back-and-forth relationship with that one. Um, this one might be the same thing. We might see it in the context of the film, and suddenly it takes on a whole different meaning, which, which yeah. just tends to happen with me, so...
0: Who, who would have thought, going into diner the, the
1: day that the song would not be the worst thing about that film? <laughs> <laughs> right? I, I, I love the idea of, of waking up to a, a Bond theme, though. I hadn't felt, thought of doing that. I, I reckon I, I'm going to put the James Bond uh, theme on, on my alarm because then I'll just jump out of bed in the morning and just feel so energetic. Right. I think it's a great yeah. idea.
3: It's a great. It's a great song to wake up on the weekends. You know, we, weekdays you might need a little something uh, <laughs> more. <laughs>
4: Well, and also real quick about uh, the Billy olish song. So, like, a lot of people were, like, afraid this was going to be this drastic departure, mm-hmm. and given the similarities we've talked about with the last two songs, well, it's not that much of a departure. It's like you could argue either um, Die Another Day or the uh, Quantum of Solace song were more of a departure and than let, this one. And us not forget,
0: Live and Let Die was probably the first very one much. that kind of came out of nowhere. Oh, yeah.
4: Oh, very much oh, so. Yeah. We talked about that a couple of weeks yes, ago. So. It was um i mean i saw it first run in theater it was like definitely like it was not john Barry, that's for sure
0: yeah i think that was um the first example of picking a quote-unquote safe artist who came out with a completely original take on it um and we tweeted the uh, last night it was like how many of the long-term fans who thought billy ardish was a strange choice were surprised to find that she came out with a safe song
5: but that's why that's just goes to show you don't have to crowbar in these really obvious quotes to make it a James bond song and that's mm. why i feel with this song the bits they did i know that we've got different opinions even but amongst the seven of us how many of us seven um you know that, that actually whether we like those James bond quotes or not because i i'm one that thinks they're a bit too on the nose but you know you you said there they don't have the the, the James bond sound within the songs now covers such a massive range it doesn't necessarily have to be that you have to stick in john barry's vamp or the middle eight of the james bond theme or that chord to make it bondian
0: yeah there's 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 the other aspect to it which is um things become bondian after they've kind of been absorbed by culture so you know skyfall was just you know Nothing bonding about it now, but now it's like that just rinses, it's, you know, it radiates bond to that word Mm. now whenever it's mentioned anywhere. So, you know, this any song, I think, just becomes a bond song in the populace after people have heard it enough times. So,
2: I think I'll see how I feel about it when I'm grocery shopping. So when I hear Skyfall and I'm grocery shopping, I'm so, let's go, oh, like I'm so in it. Like I'm literally singing in the aisle. And when I hear writings on the wall, I'm like, I hate this song. And I I think that's the only thing I say as I'm like pushing my card. I'm like, I hate this song. I still hate this song. I am wondering how I'm going to feel if and when I'm grocery shopping and I hear this song. Will I be singing along? Will I be humming along? Or what will I be feeling you know, outside of this initial moment of hearing it and thinking about the film, and how like how am I going to feel next week or two weeks from now?
0: That's reminded me, Lisa. We need to do a family feud episode again.
2: Okay, <laughs> I, I, I swear I'll be less competitive. <laughs> <laughs> I want to win. <laughs> clown suit. The answer is clown suit. That's right.
4: <laughs> Don't rub it in. I was about to say <laughs> rub, it, uh, rub it in.
7: I want in on the next one. That was a lot of fun to listen to.
0: Maybe we'll do one live. In uh in March.
6: Oh
0: yes. Yeah. In London. Alright guys, any final takes, thoughts, uh insights on on this one?
1: <laughs> I think we have, we all lost. Oh, there it is. I think everybody said everything. We, we just need to know if if, if Lisa oh. sings it when she's out shopping and uh, if she does she's arrested.
2: Know.
4: <laughs> well, well, just one quick one quick thought. So there were like a number of reviews of the song and many were very complimentary, but there was one from the uh, the Guardian that annoyed me quite a bit where um in praising the song they were kind of like dissing on early bond bond movies it's just this? like no way i, I, I know <laughs> so I'm out honest. of character you're shocked, shocked you're shocked shocked to hear this but even knowing it going in i was still annoyed reading it. it's like oh good grief just um the the joker's magic pencil trick again but uh, jam it up my eye um Anyway, that that's all. It was just that, that was the most annoying thing I read yeah. coming yeah, out of. Yeah, actually, song, so.
1: t- talking about the the Guardian always being down on Bond. Um, Jeremy um, Duns wrote a, a really good article about the whole history of of the um, the, the kind of British literary establishment really um, uh, criticizing uh, Ian Fleming's work, and it, you know, right. basically that they it was an inside job they most of them didn't read his work and uh they 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 were basically putting him down because um because they were they were literary snobs and uh, you know, even though they accused him of being a monetary snob and uh uh it's right. it's definitely worth looking at it'll take i don't know it's a 15 minute read or something like that definitely worthwhile reading and but it, it's just like the, the guardian is exactly the same I, you know anything about bond they're always down on it it's just uh it's so bloody boring
0: yeah but you know what they're at the front of the queue asking for the press screening tickets
4: yeah right so hey, my point is they're complimenting her but they gotta disbond in general yeah as they do it so yeah. that's
0: it that's all. Basically saying. She kind of stooped down to do this. Yeah. Well, thanks very much for the biggest panel we've ever had. And we're going to try and quickly turn this around and get it out. No, nobody day. fell if off. We what happened? Um, Bill did <laughs> build, build briefly, I think. But um, we're all good. Um, so, what are we expecting next? Well, we'll probably get another trailer. Uh, we'll probably get the final poster. Um, that's due to come in the next uh, six weeks um and lest we forget today was the day that the film should have been released
1: yes Yes. all
0: right yes.
4: the second the release date. date the second one <laughs> second yeah. because it was a year ago tomorrow that they then announced you know february 15th 2019 yeah. oh that release date uh forget so, it so yeah Relaying
0: our it. doppelgangers in universe 21cb will be enjoying the film today um We in this universe have to wait another six weeks. All right, guys and girls, thank you very much for joining us today for this quick um, review of the new No Time to Die song. And um, we will reconvene
6: next week. Thank you all.
4: Sounds good. Thanks, Rick. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Take care, folks. Thanks for having us.
6: I should have known I'd leave. Burn. You're no longer my concern. Faces from my palace return.